Welcome to Episode 7 of Digital Learning Radio. Communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. I mean, we're all going to need those things. So while we might not know what the next problem is that's going to need to be solved, we know that these skills are going to be what they need to embody to get them there. That's our guest on today's show, Deb Acheson, an expert in virtual environments. Deb Atchison has been in the educational technology field for more than 25 years. She has worked with all levels of learners, and she trains in both face-to-face and online environments. Deb has led large school districts to numerous successes in technology through her school, district, and state technology leadership positions. Deb and I were both in the same school district, and I know what kinds of great initiatives she brought to our district, including a technology conference for instructional leaders. Deb was the one who introduced me to the SAMR model, and I give her complete credit for my love of all things Google. Deb is a Google certified trainer and administrator, so when you have questions about the Google admin panel, Al, you can call Deborah. (laughs) Deb travels all over the world to share her work. She is a co-founder of EdChange Global and EdChange Global Classrooms. And in 2016, her ISTE Ignite talk asked, what if we could really be part of global global learning? Today, we've invited Deborah here to discuss the ISTE standard of facilitator, and she has created and has facilitated some amazing programs and events at local and global levels. In March, Deb was presenting in Prague at the Central and Eastern European Schools Association Conference, but today she is with us face-to-face at Region 10. So welcome to Digital Learning Radio, Deb. We're so glad that you're here. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you um, having me come in and talk with you guys. And that was a really nice introduction. I'd like to meet that person someday. (laughs) (laughs) Very well deserved. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to start off our questions. And I have kind of a two-parter. And since I know you especially from starting initiatives and starting things, um, the two parts. First, what advice do you have to help educators starting their technology journey? And then how can you make sure that technology is actually being used for learning? All right. So what I tell teachers all the time is just jump in, not to be afraid. Uh, Ask questions, watch videos, jump on Twitter, build your PLN that way. Um, It's amazing what you can learn in 140 characters and how helpful the folks are that are out there on Twitter. Uh, It's like one big family and you can learn so much um, and so quickly. And then I also think teachers a lot of times think they have to be the expert in the classroom. And while you'll always be the content expert, you don't have to worry about being the technology expert. So your kids will figure out the technology if you give them the time to do that or even invite them to teach you how that technology works because learning together will do much more for your students than you coming in and knowing all the ins and outs of every tool and how it functions you know, we'll do much more than that ever will. So be brave. Start small if you have to, but just jump right in. 
Well, I think we all first agree with your comment about Twitter because that is our go-to learning platform, and that's what we want to do is convince everyone to see what kind of amazing things you can learn on Twitter. And then I think also one of the themes of our podcast has been you don't have to be the expert. How many times have we said that? Many. <laughs> well, perfect. That's right. a great team then. Right. And so great advice, and I think it is a little bit difficult for teachers to um, think about not being the experts. And that is something that we have all encountered, I know, in, in training. So absolutely. I think we're taught in school, you've got to know everything. Well, you don't have to know all the technology now. So you'll always be the content expert. You'll always know more than your students will with whatever your content area is. So you don't have to know it all. It's right. Okay. Right. And I guess there's no way. I mean, a new, <laughs> exactly. new app is coming out right now. So we, we don't know that. It's, absolutely. It's, right. So the second part of that question that you asked, uh, how do you make sure that the technology is used for learning? Um, I think learning technology just for the sake of learning it has a place, but it shouldn't be, you know, up front the only reason why we're learning the technology. So it's, it shouldn't be our sole purpose um, for what we're doing in our classroom. So I tell teachers when choosing the technology tool you're going to use, not to start with the tool to start with the content, the standards, or the objectives of the lesson, and let that drive what tool that you will use. Because kids sometimes get wrapped up in all of the bells and whistles, no matter what the project is that they're doing, and they forget to focus on that content, or they forget to focus on the objectives. So that's sometimes even the last thing they will add to a project. Um, and I've seen that in my own children, actually. They're more worried about the, the transitions or whatever they're doing and forgetting about what it is they were supposed to be learning. So if teachers could give some kind of rubric or other assessment tool and remind them that content is king, then hopefully that will allow them to showcase what they've learned and not just all the bells and whistles of the tool that they're using. Um, and then I think teachers need to prepare for time to plan that in their classroom um, so that the kids have time to build the content first before they ever even choose the tool or start in the tool. Um, because if they start with the tool first, they're going to worry about all the flashy and you know how to make this look better than someone else's project. But if they start with content first, um, then they're showcasing what they've learned, which is the whole reason um, for developing that, that presentation. And if they do it that way, then I think all the priorities of the project are going to fall in place like they should be. Amen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what we all preach, and um, I don't think that enough of our um, uh, teachers understand that model and we all are all still caught up with the tools the transitions the bells and whistles and it is about the content it's about the pedagogy first absolutely so, great. I'm sorry I've seen lots of projects kids have done and they look really good but there's like no meat to it there's no content and teachers that don't really know may assess that as oh that's a great project because they see all the fanciness but they forget where is that content. Right, right. Good points. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Deb, we know that you have your posts on the current state of education, so we'd love to hear kind of what is exciting or exciting you about education and where education is currently at. All right. Well, I get excited about a lot of things in education. Um, what 
what I'm really passionate about lately is a lot of AR, VR, augmented reality, virtual reality. Um, and what's being used in the school now is great, but what's on the horizon is mm. so exciting. Um, and as a consultant, I train for lots of different companies and on, on my own as well, as you mentioned with Google stuff. But I also train for a company called ZSpace, which is augmented and virtual reality um, applications built into this uh, computer unit, basically. And I think if I would have had something like this in high school, I might would have gone into the medical field because it's just so amazing to me how we can manipulate things, even as small as a, a frog dissection, which in high school I paid my lab partner to do all the dissection, <laughs> and I, I wrote everything. <laughs> but on the Z space, I can dissect a frog. It, it's not scary. It's not stinky. Um, and and also there's the, the human body atlas that's on uh, the Z space where you can manipulate that in so many ways that you can't on a piece of paper or in a textbook. So being able to dissect it, to turn it around, have it right out in your face as if it were reality makes it so much more engaging. And I just think every time I do a training, especially like on the college level with the medical departments, I learn so much um, because I, I'm there seeing how these teachers are using that and in ways that they would never be able to teach their kids before. And so like one of the um, teachers said, it's like an awakening of the child's mind. And I think how awesome would it be to teach a classroom full of kids whose minds are awakened to what it is you're instructing. So to me, that's very exciting um, and, and lots of other things, but that's probably at the forefront of the excitement. Well, and as a former biology teacher, mm -hmm. I will say uh, I, I agree with you. I concur about the dissecting stuff. It was a hard line. Either kids were way into it or way not at all. Oh. And so I would much rather have done that virtually than in real life. Absolutely. I was training in a classroom one time, and I'm like, and it's so nice. You don't even have the formaldehyde yes. smell. Oh. Yes, <laughs> and the know. biology teacher said, well, when we do this, I'm going to go around with a spray bottle, and I'm going to spray it in the air because that's just part of the fun. <laughs> I'm like, I'm no. glad you weren't my teacher. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, no. Um, so I'm going to ask you um, something, Deb. And, and again, thinking about the future of education, this is kind of to piggyback off the question that Al asked, but how do we facilitate the development of learners to solve problems that have not yet been realized? That's a really good question. And, you know, it's amazing to me to look back on education or just life in general. You know, I started teaching in the early 90s, so I know I'm dating myself uh, here. But way back then, we used to hear, oh, it's our job as a teacher to prepare our kids for jobs that don't exist yet. Yes. You know, we've heard that for years and years. And I used to always wonder, well, what are those jobs that haven't been invented yet? And it was almost kind of hard to wrap my mind around it. And then how do I prepare them for it if I don't know what it is, right? But now think about it. We all get around by Uber and Lyft, and they don't own vehicles. You know, we may stay in an Airbnb, and they don't own real estate. Uh, a lot of us maybe binge-watched movies on Netflix over the weekend, and they don't own the movies. Um, and a large portion of Americans now are doing their shopping online instead of actually going into brick-and-mortar stores. So it's very different now how we live life than how we did before. And um, all this is, is true even for careers that our, our kids may go into. You know, they can do anything from start a company like this or in college now you can get a degree on wearable technology or 3d model creation or uh, e-marketing even forensic accounting 
I hadn't really heard about that until recently. But it's just amazing the things that they can study, human-computer interaction or nanotechnology. I mean, these weren't degree programs when I went to college. But um, all these degrees and all of these companies I mentioned earlier came about because people are needing to solve problems, you know. Um, And so they're trying to solve the real-world problems. And um, now their solutions are large, profitable companies where – and I I would venture to say that these skills that these company leaders needed were the things that we try to drive home to our kids in our classrooms all the time, Um, and that being those four C's Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, Mm -hmm. technology integration we hear sometimes. But communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity, I mean, we're all going to need those things. So while we might not know what the next – problem is that's going to need to be solved we know that these skills are going to be what they need to embody to get them there so I think as teachers we need to provide practical real ways for them to you know to use these skills in their classroom and then they'll be ready to solve whatever that next may problem may be nice and um to just kind of once again you piggybacked off me I will (laughs) piggyback off of you um Continuing the thought of being able to solve problems, we also know that the creativity, that's a part of that as well. So as an educator, how do you help others develop um, the ability to have a creative voice to express their ideas? As educators, we tend to gravitate to the tools we know the best and use most. So there's so many tech tools and ways we can express our creative side with new ones, like you said, Catherine, being developed like right now and every day. So sharing what I'm passionate about or the latest tool I just discovered with others not only helps me figure it out, but it helps other educators see that it's okay to find new tools or ways of expressing their creative side. Um, I try to share as many new and exciting things as possible, either online or in my PD sessions. I'm always looking for new tools, tricks, tips, or, or whatever I can find to add to my own presentations to keep things fresh. And, you know, I don't really know many people who eat the same thing every meal, every day. But as teachers, we sometimes kind of get in that groove. Well, I know this, so I'm going to keep on doing that. And, you know, for me, I get bored too easily to do that. So I kind of like to shake things up. So when I present, and even in keynote presentations I've done, I try to challenge those teachers to jump in. And I try to model and be brave and try something new myself. So if it flops, it flops, and we've all learned something from the experience. But if it works, that's even better, and hopefully we've learned something new. So trying to be an example of the kind of daring educator I encourage my participants to be, I think helps them to also be brave and attempt new things. Awesome. So thank you for sharing. So, Deb, you are a pro in virtual environments. I think it's safe to say. Well, thank you. Yes, she is. is. So talk to us about EdChange Global. How did it start? How How has it evolved? What is the impact of this yearly virtual collaboration? Well, thank you for giving me that opportunity to talk about it because EdChange Global is something I'm very excited and very passionate about. I know you guys had Jamie Donnelly on your podcast, and so we worked together in our last district, and she wanted to do an ed camp, and there was not another one happening in our Dallas area, and so she came to me and said, hey, well, why don't we do our own ed camp? 
And I had just come back from presenting um, in Croatia at a conference, and we did an unconference. And I thought, you know, all those people are really excited about it. What if we ask some of them to be a part of that? And out of all of those what-if questions, what if we do our own, and what if we invite other people from around the world came at Change Global. And at the time we started was at Camp Global. Um, and it's basically, we thought, you know, if we get 100 people to join us online for this 24-hour free PD, that'll be awesome. And then we got up to about 500, and we started freaking out, like, oh, my. No kidding. <laughs> People are really coming. Um, the good thing is Jamie would freak out, and I would freak out at different times. So we were able uh, to, to pull it off, which was really good. Um, and we involved uh, Cassie Reader right from the start, who worked with us, and then um, the folks from Plano. I know you had Claire on here earlier. So they joined us as part of the organizing team. And, you know, we just – we didn't hold back. We just said, okay, we're going to do this. And we put it out on social media. We started planning at the end of March and we had our first event in July of 2015. So in just those few months, we had 1800 teachers register from wow. 39 countries around the world, which was crazy incredible to think we thought oh if we get 100 people right right, <laughs> way more than 100 people <laughs> but it's a full 24 hours of sessions and not just tech sessions but things on like best practices in the classroom you know we just get facilitators from all over the world basically that agree to facilitate a session like you would in an ed camp and just start the dialogue and start the discussion so whatever they're passionate about it could be classroom management it could be the latest tech tool it could be, you know, anything that is a good educational sound practice. And so we just have sessions for a full 24 hours. Um, this year we have organizers from overseas. Um, and so Vlatka is one of our organizers from Croatia that I met several years ago at that conference. And she's a fireball and she's getting all of Europe involved. So I'm excited wow. for this year to see... I'm hoping we surpass our numbers that we've had in the past, but um, who knows? We may, we may not, but we know all the folks that will be there will love it and will learn something new. And it's amazing to see the relationships that come out of that when people have met online. And, you know, in some ways, I had someone tell me this, and, and I thought about it. I'm like, I think they're right. But in some ways, at Change Global is promoting world peace. Because you think about it, if I know Croatia, folks in Croatia, I know Vodka, I, I'm going to be more sympathetic to what's going on in her country or her needs because now I have a face to put with that. And it's not just, oh, well, those people overseas. So to me, when someone said that, I thought, huh, that's that's a pretty cool way of thinking about it. <laughs> That's a pretty great unintended consequence. Absolutely. I'm like, wow, this is making a difference. And so it's exciting to see. And we have now had participants from over 83 countries join us. Wow. Yeah. That's really so. impressive. So when is it? When is this year's? So this year's is July 20th. We're doing from uh, 12 noon central on Friday to 12 noon central on um, Saturday. So noon to noon, Friday to Saturday, July 20th and 20th. 21st. Um, we don't yet have our next EdChange Global Classroom scheduled. So after our first event, Jamie looked at me and she said, well, you know, the only thing that could make this better. And I thought, oh, no, here we go, because this is going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be amazing, but it's going to be a lot of work. And she said, was well, if we add our students. 
So that next February, we had EdChange Global Classrooms where students were involved. And we had well over 25 to 30,000 students and teachers involved in 24 hours online. So it was pretty amazing. We had 1,200 classrooms register. Wow. And so if you think 25 kids at a minimum. Right. That's pretty amazing. It is. So, and, but that one usually is in February sometime, so folks can, can watch out for that one. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm so, sure on Twitter. So <laughs> where can they sign up or where can they find more information? We'll have everything linked. Wonderful. So edchangeglobal.com is our website, and it looks really good. I think this year um, Vodka is designing it from Croatia, so nice. it's kind of cool. She's got a lot of really good design that I don't have. <laughs> so, But edchangeglobal.com, they can find out how to sign up to get more information. They can register to attend, and they can also register to facilitate. So if folks are passionate about something and they just want to share, then um, they can sign up there to do that. That sounds like a great opportunity this summer. Thanks. So you see why we invited Deb, and mm-hmm. she's definitely a facilitator of learning experiences and figuring out how we can have these global connections. So um, definitely a model for this standard and amazing learning experiences. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's yes. very kind. Yes. Okay, so speaking of successes, <laughs> let's let's go 180 degrees. And um, w- this is a question that we are asking all of the people that we interview this year. And so you are next. Let's talk about, and you have already mentioned you are willing to take risks and you model um, trying new things for the teachers. So how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for a later success or, and, or do you have a favorite failure? Well, this is a question I did not want to answer. (laughs) I don't know about the other folks, but this was the hardest one for me Um, because I I have some pretty big failures, but not ones I want to put out there, you know, on on digital learning radio. Um, But I try not to focus on my failures. Um, I try to use those experiences where I'm not at my best to move me forward. And so when I deal with new teachers, a lot of times I hear, well, I don't know what I'm doing or they didn't prepare me for this in in college, or uh, I don't know if I'm saying the right things, or I don't know if I'm, um, you know, doing discipline or classroom management the right way, or how do I deal with parents? And so I think back to a friend of mine, Dee, who's also one of our organizers um, for EdChange Global, and I think about the story she told me of her first year, and she was that teacher that felt like she was doing everything wrong. Nothing was going right. She was worried if she said the right thing or if she was handling discipline the right way and um, she had a Spanish teacher that taught with her and he looked at her and he said D no 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 you are thinking about this all the wrong way you're not failing you are just refining your skills you're refining your craft and so I think everything we do in education is a refinement process I don't know that we ever get to a point where we do everything perfectly. But instead of focusing on what we don't do right, I think we should focus on how that experience or that failure or perceived failure is making us better. Love that. That mm-hmm. is well perfect. Said. Yes. 
Well, good. And then I didn't have to tell you all the times I messed up. (laughs) (laughs) That worked. (laughs) Well, we have lists that long as well. So, yes. We all do an education, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. But refining our practice, I think I will start using that now. I mean, that is just a great way of thinking about things. So, And my friend Dee did tell me that um, she was going to quit education. She was just flat out going to quit. And this is what kept her in education. Oh, well, definitely led to success. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. All right, Deb, so let's um, start to wrap this up. But how can people reach out and connect with you? We know that there are listeners who want to hear more and want to be able to learn from you. So how can we connect? Thank you for that opportunity. Actually, pretty much anything Deb Atchison. Um, you will find me on Twitter at Deb Atchison. Um, my email is Deb Atchison at Gmail. Um, my website is Deb Atchison. And so I'm going to spell it for you because people spell it wrong all the time. So Atchison is A-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. So Deb Atchison.com uh, will get you to all my social media and everything else. You know, when I was um, single, I was Deb Ramundo. And I thought that was an easy name, but nobody ever got it right. And I thought, well, what I'm marrying, I'm marrying a Smith, a Jones. <laughs> and I married an Atchison, and I thought, oh, that's pretty easy. But no, it's at, people call you Atkinson, or they put an in in the middle. So, Atchison. Okay. <laughs> we will find you then. And then, um, what events do you have coming up? Anything special? Are you going to be at ISTE this summer, or other ways people might find you face-to-face? Wonderful. Yes, so I will be at ISTE. Um, the last few years at ISTE, I've done full-day or half-day sessions for Google Admins. So this uh, year is the same thing. So this Saturday before ISTE, I have a half-day workshop where all Google Admins come in and we go through the admin console with a fine-tooth comb. So every setting, how it works, what's best for your school, what's new, those kinds of things. So um, that will be at ISTE. Right before ISTE, um, in the Washington, D.C. area, I'm presenting at a Josty conference, and that's for international schools that are over um, in the States on summer break, and it's sponsored by the Department of Ed. So I'm really excited to be back there. This is my second year at that conference, and this year they asked me to keynote. So oh, congratulations. very excited about that. So that'll be a lot of fun. Great, great. Cool. Well, we thank you so much for your time and your willingness to share. And it's so fun to get to see you face-to-face in the real world um, at Region 10. So thank you so much, Deb. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for listening. That's it for Season 3. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back in your feed before you miss us.